Yes, hello, welcome folks to episode 29 of the MOD Extra podcast. We are two enormous man nerds trapped in a constant state of arrested development who come together every two weeks to talk about what nerdy things we've been up to. Uh, the large focus of which has been nerdy TV and nerdy movies. I'm Chris, otherwise known online as the true Mr. Six, and that geezer over there is Andy, a.k.a. Sean Archer. <laughs> and I'm Caster Troy today. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. It's been uh, a busy old two weeks. Lots to talk about. Um, so just two segments for you all in this episode. We'll do our usual rundown of what's new, what we've been up to, or what's new to us, I suppose, would be a more accurate way of putting it. And then, as Andy has just implied, our uh, Retro movie review is going to be the 90s action classic Face-Off. I don't believe how old it was. Can't believe it was that long ago. I want to take his face off. Yeah, man, it's crazy to think about it. Um, I was chatting to somebody in work the other day and saying, oh, I do a podcast. Listen! (laughs) (laughs) Get us up to 13 listeners. Um, and he was saying, what do you do? He said, reviewing films. He was like, oh, what, like new stuff? Like, no. no. <laughs> we're doing Face Off next week. Anyway, we're having a chat about Face Off. And he's a massive Nicolas Cage fan, but in an ironic way. Well, as in because he doesn't like him? Uh, because he, he watches, he's on a mission to watch every Nicolas Cage movie, no matter how bad. Right and enjoy it for its badness if you know what i mean there are some stinkers out there yeah there there really are (laughs) (laughs) yeah nicholas cage is is uh, an enigma isn't he's like oscar winning incredible but then really shit awful as well (laughs) (laughs) And, and basically nothing in between either (laughs) no yeah it's weird he is he is an odd one (laughs) He is, yeah. Love him. Big comic book fan is Nicolas Cage. Oh, yeah. I, I think I remember that. He spent a fortune on the Spider-Man one. Uh, Spider-Man and Superman. He's got action comics issue. He's one of the very few people in the world who's got a, a high-grade action comics issue one, I think. And he's got uh, the amazing... Um, is it the amazing Spider-Man? Amazing Stories, I think it's called, which features the first appearance of Spider-Man as well. Well done him. Respect. Yes. Good job. He was going to be Superman for a hot minute. I'm glad that minute passed quick. There's a whole documentary about it. It got got really far. There's actual footage of him doing his costume tests and stuff. Wow. Yeah, and it was being directed by someone really awesome as well. Who was directing it? Oh, I can't remember. I remember watching the documentary. I'm having to Google that now because I need to know. Yeah, I need to know too. Nick Cage, Superman. Uh, Superman lives, and it was Tim Burton. Oh, wow. That would have been odd. Well, it, it clearly would have had Helena Bonham Carter uh, in it. <laughs> yeah, as Lois Lane, obviously. <laughs> uh, and also Johnny Depp as whatever villain. Yeah, Superman lives is what it was called. Uh, Kevin Smith was involved as well. 
Well, but there's a there's a, there's a whole documentary about it. I think it's on Amazon Prime. I'll, I'll I'll hunt that out because I've got no doubt in my mind that that would have been an absolute shit movie. <laughs> Who knows? We we you will never, never know. know. We will never know. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Well, uh, anyway. Uh, so we're into Nick Cage territory already. Uh, we'll we'll carp out that until we get to face off. Uh, because before we do that, let's do our rundown. So tell me, my man, what have you been up to in the last two weeks since we? since we recorded the last episode. Right. Well, I'd like to have a letter about three movies, three movies that I've watched since we last got together. Um, All right. I suspect one, maybe two of them we've both seen, actually. Okay. Well, first one is the uh, remake. Well, not really a remake, uh, but the film of the same name, Predator. Oh, right. Okay. No, I've not seen that. Uh, Which uh, I was shocked because I didn't realize that it even existed. Uh, but it does exist out there. Um, is that the Shane Black one? It is. It is. The it's the, the new Shane Black one from 2018. And um, there's two ways you can look at it. If you, oh. if, if you compare it... <laughs> That's interesting. If you compare it to uh, the original, don't think it compares. I'm not sure if any of them have compared to the original. Um, nonetheless, a decent sci-fi monster, shooter, killer, action, horror, whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, decent. It's just because it's got the Predator name, you have, I have personally higher expectations with the, the history behind it. Uh, decent though. Like not too bad. Okay. It's a good, you know. What to watch? I've not watched this. Definitely going to give that a try. Didn't not didn't not enjoy it, uh, but it it certainly didn't live up to the uh, get to the chapa um, heady heights of nineteen eighty seven. Um, well, as you well know, I'm a I'm a big Shane Black fan. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's you know it's a very well crafted good movie. Um, it's it's kind of it's set in in America. And the main guys in the army, and then the guys that are with him are all kind of like army vets that have come back to America. So it's quite, you know, it's a different slant on it. Uh, it didn't hold. Oh, sorry. Uh, I was just going to say, it's got quite a few people in it, hasn't it? I seem to remember, um, hasn't they got that comedian? What's his name? Keegan, Keegan Michael Key. I don't know. Uh, from Key and Peel, it does indeed. And um, Thomas Jane, Thomas Jane, yeah, that's and exactly that, where you'd expect, expect to see Thomas Jane. He's always in that kind of. <laughs> he turn, doesn't he turn up in Face Off? Actually, isn't he the guy in the prison? We'll get to action that. extra. Yeah, uh, and Olivia Munn, uh, for she's in the newsroom. I think she's in it as well. I think she is the main person in it. Oh, is she? Oh, I didn't know that. Jake Busey turns uh, up, our, our friend, friend of the podcast. Oh, mate, Jake. Yep. <laughs> Biggest fan, in fact. <laughs> he loves our product. Um, <laughs> but yeah. It, very good. All right, I'll check it's it out. Right. One thing I did notice, I did, it, it didn't hold my attention. Like I, I drifted towards my phone a couple of times, um, which, you know, is either a state of mind or a... a a state that the film isn't kind of grabbing my full attention uh but there you go mm. yeah it's it's decent okay it's all right um movie number two 
is that I was lucky enough to venture to the cinema and I saw James Bond, uh, the new one, whatever the oh, hell that's wow. called. Um, uh, no time to die. That's right. Um, great movie. I know that. Oh, good. I will. There'll be people. A lot of people that disagree. In fact, most of the people that I've spoken to who have also watched the movie have disagreed with me. Um, I don't think it's a very stereotypical James Bond uh, because it's very action based. As that sounds silly, but it's. Um, it's very kind of modern day action based, if that makes sense. So it's kind of I think, I think I get slipping slowly, not quite, but very much towards the kind of Fast and the Furious, um, Mission Impossible, all action all the time, kind of in your face stuff, which you know, goes to me like that's right up my street. Uh, however, the um, like my in laws, for example, who've grown up. Uh, we're all growing up, you know, like James Bond um, being a whole part of their, like, what, 60, 70 years. Um, they're expecting a formula that has been kind of tried and tested over quite a few films, and it's not quite <laughs> yeah. the same, you know. He doesn't go, you know, there isn't the, you know, starts off with, you know, a scene, and then he sees M, and then he gets a mission, and then he goes and sees Q, and then he gets some gadgets, and then he gets captured by a a baddie uh, and then they talk for a bit and the baddie talks to the good like james bond talks to the baddie they both know that you know he's he's a secret agent but they don't let on and they <laughs> you know dance around each other for a bit and then a laser nearly cuts his balls off uh, and then he gets the better of the baddie in the end and then he goes off with the girl it doesn't follow that kind of blueprint of a james bond film uh, which i can see why it would knock a few people uh, and a a fairly big twist in there as well which i will not spoil uh, yeah, I've heard rumours of this big twist. Uh, one of, I was listening to another movie podcast. They do, in fact, exist. No way. Um, and they did a whole thing of, uh, like, this is your warning. Do not listen beyond this point if you don't want to know the Bond big twist. Um, so, obviously, I switched it off. Oh, good. Yeah. But certainly, like, it's a long film. It's two hours, 45 minutes. Uh, oh, wow, really? Yeah, and I was, like, reluctant because I was like... We've not, you know, we've not been without the kids for the past three years. Do we want to waste three hours plus of, <laughs> of this precious, precious time in the cinema? Um, but it doesn't feel like it, or it certainly didn't to me. It, it, right. it had the pace, it kept going, you know, it properly kept you engaged. I didn't get bored. There is, there were, I mean, there's slower bits and fast bits like there are in all movies, but l- l- so many times there's that bit where you think, I could probably nip to the toilet now. Um, and it kept going. So I really enjoyed it. I, it definitely is a thumbs up from me. And then maybe further down the line, we can talk about it once you've seen it uh, and uh, dissect some of the twisty turns. Okay. Yeah, no worries. It'll be a little while, I think, before I get around to it. Although it's already hit the streaming services on pay-per-view. I know. It's crazy how quickly stuff's coming out. Um, side tangent, watch Shang-Chi. Um, I don't think I mentioned that last time. I'm not sure if I watched it last time. Well, I thought that was the one you, one of the ones you were going to bring up because I've watched that in the last two. Oh, have you? Well, we'll have a quick natter about that unless you wanted to talk about it in your little bit. Um, no, no, I'm, we can have a chat about it. Yeah, I thought it was great. What do you think? Uh, boring. Really? 
really boring, man. Um, <laughs> I don't know what else to say. Uh, everything about it was set to be a winner for me, and then I started watching it. I was like, this is boring. It's got Marvel. It's got like comic book lore. It's got kung fu movies, which I know you love. Uh, yeah, absolutely. You, th- you would yeah. think you would think like uh, that plus that plus that would equal Happy Chris, but now um, I was quite bored. Dear, that I think a couple of things like the story was hella predictable, like real predictable. Uh, the Marvel formula is definitely st- like talking about James Bond formulas just a moment ago the setup of how they introduce a new character and how the film unravels and how that three act or three acts unravel is getting repetitive. It's wearing me down a lot. And Shang-Chi was very formulaic um, in terms of how they introduce the character and develop the character through the film. Um, the Kung Fu stuff I-, I thought was actually really rather unimpressive. It, it was too CGI. Is that because you've seen so much of it that you've got it to compare to? Because I just thought it was like really good action yeah. movie scenes. No, I think that's a good point because I was thinking thinking about like the bamboo um, scaffolding yeah, scene, for example. Cool. Yeah, but it, it, it's clear to me that that's been CGI'd, whereas like Jackie Chan and his stuntmen would have legitimately been up. <laughs> A, a bamboo scaffold on the on the side of a building. They'd have done it for realsies. And I think I've seen so many films with people like Jackie Chan in it who uh, like do all their own stunts, yeah. do it legit. Not not no. The, it doesn't go near a computer. Uh, I think I found that disappointing. I'd have liked a bit more. Um. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Real um, stunts, realism. Yeah, yeah, it just felt too CG. Uh, and then this whole thing about the build-up to fight a big bad at the end. Uh, if they'd have sacked off that whole, uh, what is it called, Tenbo village and all the weird creatures and and just focused on the dad, son, and sister, you know, daughter relationship yeah. and then did some more actual stunt work in the Kung Fu... I think I'd have been happier despite them following the formula. But throw that in with the formula. I was just like, this is so predictable and boring. I'm just, I know, I know how it's going to pan out. It's fun. Right. You know, it's just plot. It's funny that how we, what you say that, but well, cause I've got some thoughts on face off and the special effects and the action um, in regards to what, how they did it then in comparison to how they would do it now, which might be quite interesting to, uh, to to talk about very much along those those lines. Okay, sure. Yeah, yeah, no worries. Um, so, yeah, you, you, you're absolutely right. You'd have thought it would have been an absolute winner for me. Yeah. But uh, the, the way the story unfolds, the first Iron Man unfolds the same way. The first Captain America unfolds the same way. The first Captain Marvel, the first Ant-Man, the first Thor. The three-act structure is identical um, to all the other origin stories. So there was nothing new and nothing engaging about that. Um, the only redeeming feature is that Tony Leung's in it, and he's a fucking ledge, that guy. 
Which one's who's he in it? That, that's the dad. That's the real Mandarin. Wen Wu. Oh, is he supposed to be the real Mandarin? Yes. So ten rings. Are, oh, not bangles, but rings. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He wasn't making a fashion statement. Well, no, because they're not on his. In the car, the 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 comic yeah, the in the comic it's on, his, all on fingers, his fingers yeah, yeah. and he's wearing yes, them as yeah, bangles yeah. i did not put two and two together until you said that <laughs> yeah yeah that's the whole 10 rings thing yeah he's the real mandarin he even says in the movie like there was a guy who stole my identity when i had to take it back and that's the whole setup for having what's his face in the basement yeah oh. with the weird faceless pokemon i was making um popcorn i think around that pit <laughs> but he's he's obviously a legend. I love him because uh, you know he's the cop in Hard Boiled and stuff. He's amazing. Yeah. Ben Kingsley. Yeah, he's. I like I like that character when he's pretending to be the Mandarin in Iron Man. <laughs> yeah, I like the little his, nod his back to his him. accent. Shakes. He's supposed to be a Scouser, and then he sounds a bit Yorkshire, and then he sounds a bit <laughs> a bit London. And I'm like, what's going on here? <laughs> yeah. But they didn't. They didn't really need him. They could have just have easily filled his character slot. With, oh yeah, with some invented comic relief. But I'm yeah, he's good. Ben Kingsley again, another legend. But yeah, I'm sorry to report, Shang Chi was a disappointment for me. Cool. On the flip side, I thoroughly enjoyed it because of what? the formula. I knew what I was getting, and I thoroughly enjoyed <laughs> rolling down the same road uh, with a different skin on it. Well, that's why they do it, though, isn't it? I, I'm absolutely in the minority when it comes to that stuff. But moving on to my third movie, so mm. we want to keep it tight. I've watched Ghostbusters <laughs> Afterlife. Oh. Uh, yes, you did. You texted me. Did have you seen it? I have not. No. Okay. No. So the 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 second film that I thought we both might have seen, you've not mentioned. So. I'll come okay. to that. Cool, cool. So Ghostbusters Afterlife out in the cinemas now. I have been chomping at the bit and looking forward to this movie for a long, long time. Um, first and foremost, I loved it. It's brilliant. It is written uh, with some, definitely written and you know directed, and obviously the the director's the uh, original director's son, I think. Um, someone who loves the first movie. There's so many little kind of Easter egg nuggets kind of harks back to that original movie uh, that you will pick up if you've, if you know what you're looking for. Um, I'm not a hundred percent sure if I didn't love Ghostbusters, whether I'd think as highly of it. Oh, that's an interesting point. Um, the, the main I think it was quite fan services uh yeah and, and it and it it would be the movie that i would want to if i was to make the movie i would have made it pretty much like it um mm. because of uh you know the love of the the characters and everything else um but as a standalone movie i'm not sure i think that uh paul what's his face paul rudd uh, yeah, sure. He is um, underused. Oh, really? I'd have liked to have seen more of him. The main focus, the main character, is the young girl, uh, right. which is fine. It's that that's you know follows her through, 
Um, uh, the guy who's her brother from Stranger Things, uh, kind of think he was there because they managed to get one of the kids from Stranger Things to come on the movie. <laughs> You know, Don't give it a bit of give it a bit of retro's eighty cred. Yeah, <laughs> literally that. Oh, we can get one of these guys. We should definitely do that. Um, not that he was bad in it. It just didn't really add anything too much. Um, right. Okay. There's a bit of the movie which I nearly lost my breath because I got so overexcited. Do you know that kind <laughs> of like goosebumpy? like feel it yeah it's amazing um but again i don't know if people who don't like the movie like don't like ghostbusters would be that bothered um but i did so i think what i'm trying to say is i love the movie i think it's brilliant when we went i went on my own because i got I had a day off last friday uh and then we went to the cinema on the saturday uh, to watch James Bond and I was like I would more than happy to go and watch Ghostbusters again if she wanted to go and see it she decided not to um, but it was that good for me I'd be very right. interested if you go and see it or if, if the guys out there who are listening um, on Discord let me know what your thoughts were um, it's got everything nostalgia would want but is it that good? Yeah, I mean, it'll, it'll be one that I'll wait to come onto the you know home cinema. Yeah. Uh, it's not one I'll make a special trip out to. Uh, I've heard a few bits floating on the wind about it. I heard that w- there's quite a lot of cameos. They've crammed it full of cameos, and that one of the cameos was wildly misjudged. But I don't know. There was no further... Um, mm-hmm explored there so i don't know what the script is with that i might have missed that uh well or or you just didn't you didn't observe it to be as misjudged as this reviewer uh, that i read so no who knows Mm. uh, yeah but i I don't think it denies does it i mean the trailer all the marketing uh, everything i've heard about it it doesn't deny that it's a a fan film do you know what i mean i think it it sets its stall out, doesn't it? That yeah, absolutely. It's been made a particular way for a particular audience. It was aimed at the forty-year-olds out there who watched the first movie, loved it, w- repeatedly watched it throughout their lives. Watched the second one, yeah. like watched the cartoons, grew up with the cartoons, had the toys. Like that is the target audience. Um, so I'm not, you know, for like younger generation, teens, kids. I, I can't see it through their eyes because I, I, for two hours I was wrapped in full-on Ghostbusters love. I <laughs> just literally sat there going, <laughs> yes! <laughs> like everything was just like, I remember like the little, um, when the ghosts like shoot out of the um, uh, the containment unit in the first one, even though that the the CGI is terrible eighties, they recreate that same effect uh, for the the ghosts kind of shooting through the little village um, when they kind of escape from this den of ghosts, uh, and there's like so much stuff like that just harking back to the original um, that just you know made it a fanboy's dream. Mm, sure. 
Cool, yeah. yeah. Okay. And I'll, um, I'll shut go. up there. That's been a good 20 minutes worth of me rambling. So, uh, twit. All right. Well, um, the well, the film that I watched in the last two weeks that I thought you might have seen, mm. but uh, possibly not, was uh, Red Notice on Netflix. Not seen it yet. No, it's on the list. Yeah, I thought I thought it'd be uh, certainly appealing to you. Yeah. Uh, this is Dwayne Johnson, Ryan Reynolds, and Gal Gadot in a sort of um, international uh, cat burglar, art thiefy kind of thing going on that's a dream dinner party isn't it well yeah i mean uh, i watched it because um i love gal gadot i thought she was amazing in wonder woman i love ryan reynolds just even though he plays the same character in everything he does he is eminently funny and i'll watch anything with dwayne the rock johnson in as well he he to me will make a two-star film a three-star film he'll make a three-star film a four-star film like his his very presence and capability Take always notches a film up a star. Mm-hmm. Um, Have you seen the so, Young Rock? Sorry, tangent series. Uh, I haven't. I've I've been um, I've been saving it up. Yeah, because although he's not really in it that much, it's it's good. It's got that same kind of lift from it just being a, about him. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No. I've uh, I've had it on series link. I've been saving it up. Um, however, Red Notice was a bit drab. Sadly, well, going to previous history, that means that I'm going to enjoy that greatly. So, fantastic news! <laughs> well, yeah, quite possibly, <laughs> quite possibly. I mean, all three of them are just the their their presence on screen is is just you know this is definitely an instance where it's probably a two star film, but I'm giving it three stars because because of the cast. Uh, Ryan Reynolds is doing that quick smart you know quippy sarky thing that he does and he does it well um the rock does his rock thing um and he's very good and the two of them ryan reynolds and the rock as the odd couple um pair that have been thrown together mm. actually have a lot of chemistry they, they they're really really good and gal gadot is their uh, sort of antagonist um as their competitor in in this kind of art thief thing um is really good she's just dead just dead you know, femme fatale, got it pinned down. Awesome. They're just really, all three of them are just incredibly let down by the script. The quality of the script is just dreadful. (laughs) (laughs) Like, uh, and there's a twist in it. Uh, I'll say no more about that other than if, if you don't see the twist in a matter of minutes, then, well, I don't know. I'd be concerned about you. See, that's your problem. And it's a problem that you share with my wife is that you you pick it up too early, which must vastly like affect how you enjoy things. Like I didn't even realize that was the Mandarin. So that was like this amazing, <laughs> nice surprise. Like yeah. two weeks after I watched it, like sometimes being a little bit slower has advantages. That's all I'm saying. For sure. For sure. Yeah. I'm always, um, I'm always taking in the deeper, the deeper context of things. Uh, I think I've may- maybe said, I know I've said this to you before. I don't know if I've said it on recording, but my wife now won't watch films with me. Cause she says I ruin it for her. You could just keep your gob <laughs> shut. Uh, well, that's also true. Yeah. But I can't help myself. I just say out loud, like, Oh, he's going to die. She's like, how? Right. 
no, how do you know that? I said, I just know. Just uh, look at the way they've set that up and what he's just said and everything. Any writer worth his salt in Hollywood would kill that character in about 20 minutes' time. Um, and then the character dies and, you know, cushions get thrown at me. <laughs> <clears throat> so, yeah, I, I don't deny it. I think I've become so high. I've watched so many films and read about films and thought about films so much over the last, like, however many years that uh, I've got under the skin of the process too much, I think, sometimes. Do you know what you should do? Uh, Write a a film. Well, yeah. Sure. (laughs) Maybe one day. Who knows? Mystery of Dice Presents. (laughs) Predator (laughs) 8. (laughs) <laughs> on the blacklist <laughs> every studio fighting for it yeah. <laughs> so that's that's red notice <laughs> you see what he did here he set this guy up to die and then he never died it's unbelievable <laughs> 10 million 20 million <laughs> so there's red notice that's my movie watch as well as shang chi um, but that's all I've managed to fit in, really, on the film front, um, as well as Face Off, obviously. Uh, I've mostly been in TV, been in, in my TV shows. I've been very science fiction-y this last couple of weeks. <clears throat> so uh, Foundation and Arcane, which I've mentioned on previous episodes, have both now come to an end. and They both have the season finales. Um, Arcane is brilliant. It's really good. Which one's that? Um that's the uh, animated series uh, based on the League of Legends characters. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, so uh, two two sisters, Powder and Vi. Uh, it sort of tells their story of uh, living in this divided city where there's a kind of ivory tower uh, uptown end of the city called Pitlover, which is all fancy and they've got tech and everyone's loaded and they, they live in the kind of slummy end of town uh, called Zorn. Uh, they lose they lose their parents very like in the first 10 minutes of the very first episode and then they get adopted by a bar owner who's a bit of a community leader in the slums and um, it's all about this tension between the the two areas of the city Uh, but it's in a kind of steampunky setting which is really interesting because the 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 character story in the middle is enhanced by some of the stuff that's going on in the steampunky story, but you could lift and drop the story into any any context really. But incredibly well animated. Um, the narrative is so carefully thought through. The the, the characters are um, so three dimensional. Um, you just really get um, a great kind of character experience from it. But it's filled with great action, and it's got uh, pace, and it's got energy it's, it's a dynamic show um so i can't can't recommend re- recommend that one highly enough um and it sort of takes place in two time periods the first three episodes are when they're younger children and growing up in the slums and then the back six um sort of portioned off into two sets of three in the back six uh are when we catch up with them many years later and the impact of the events of the first three episodes we, we then get to see kind of what the uh, not just the impact in the bigger picture story, but also on the characters and what it means for them, and for one character, what it's done to their their mental health. <laughs> and I'll say no more for fear of spoiling, but I highly recommend that one. It was really good. <clears throat> uh, Foundation, uh, I talked about that a couple of weeks ago, so I finished that one up as well. Big epic science fiction 
uh, kind of really hard sci-fi type of stuff based on uh, the Isaac Asimov book series of the same name. Um, big intergalactic empire, the human race, 3,000 years in the future kind of stuff. Incredibly good looking, incredibly deep show, but the season ended ultimately in an unsatisfying way. Oh, I hate that. Uh, yeah, and I think in the last episode I mentioned it, it had a kind of Game of Thronesy vibe. Yeah. That everything's sort of got so spread out and there's so many different storylines going on. And there was like one storyline that was really intriguing and they they kind of wrapped it all up in one episode. I was like, oh, I wonder where they're going with that then. Um, <laughs> and it was a really intriguing storyline. But then this other really slow, plotty storyline that's been going on. Um, <clears throat> they brought it back in, in like the last 10 minutes of the last episode, after we've been waiting all season to see what's going on with this element of the story, mm. and then cliffhangered it. No! <laughs> yeah, I was, I was unimpressed. In fact, both those shows, Arcane and Foundation, ended on massive cliffhangers. Um, in a in a very old school kind of way. See, I I get why they they finish seasons on cliffhangers, but in my opinion, it is the wrong thing to do because it leaves you unsatisfied. And yes, you are keen to see what happens next, but when the series comes out in a year's time, you couldn't give a flying fuck what happens next. Yeah, and you'd be a bit like I always find myself like why. Why are they doing? Why? What? What happened last? <laughs> what happened last year? Yeah, you know, and there's some shows that, like pre-pandemic, that obviously haven't made a return yet for because they've had to freeze filming and what have you. When they come back, I'll be clueless. I'll be like, "Who's he again?" You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm usually pretty good at remembering this kind of stuff. So yeah, I'm 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 with you on this. I find it very unsatisfying. Like by all means, have a cliffhanger ending, but don't make. I don't know how to describe it. Like, don't make the whole ending about the cliffhanger. No, you want to wrap up. A season should have a um, an ongoing story to it that concludes at the end, whether that's the main focus of the series or in some instances a series will be, you know, a story per episode but with an underlying theme. Whatever that underlying theme or that main story needs to come to a conclusion on the final episode of that season however there should still be scope to then move forward or you know a couple of easter eggs of you know like woody harson turning up at the end of venom or um you know actually you didn't kill the last zombie or you know whatever um but overall you want to have a like a a conclusion to a season with something else moving forwards uh, as opposed certainly that part of the journey needs yeah some some audience satisfaction exactly and it doesn't always mean oh you just throw a big dragon for them to kill or equivalent at the end i want a conclusion to whatever story i've been following you know and if you leave it as a cliffhanger it's going to piss me off and then by the time it's come out again i don't care and i'm less inclined to watch it because my memory is of disappointment (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah absolutely i've got i've got no problem with big story arcs but i need to feel like there's some momentum in the satisfaction element and what what foundation did is it it left me very unsatisfied i was like that's the what you've that thing there that's just happened i've been waiting all season for and i get a snippet of it and then you cliffhanger me until like what 
a year, two yeah. years from now. Um, and very few of the story threads reached any kind of conclusion, except for these, like I say, these little narratives that took place through the course of the season. that They sort of opened and wrapped up too quickly. It was like, well, what, what is it? What's going on here? <laughs> that one there, that storyline, I'd have happily let you roll into next season and not feel unsatisfied because that's like a grower. But <laughs> this one over here that's already grown, <laughs> fucking prune your bush. You know, pick the fruit, please. <laughs> so, yeah, there's Foundation. So two very unsatisfying uh, kind of cliffhanger endings. However, they are great shows. They are mm. good shows. Um, although Foundation, I think, um, with the impending new season of The Expanse will be surpassed. And I'll be like, oh, no, I didn't like it as much because I, I was just oh, needing that in my life kind of thing. That's exciting. Yeah. Expanse. Yeah. Although, like, now, I, I can't even remember what the last episode of The Expanse was, if there was a cliffhanger, if there wasn't a cliffhanger. Um, I could vaguely remember that the dude got killed off because of something he did outside of the show. Uh, yeah, the pilot guy. The, the yeah, it, the um, the Mars uh, admiral has stolen the the ship that can travel through the alien gates. Yeah, cool. I need to. And they're going to go out and try and stop it. <laughs> I need a good recap before <laughs> at the beginning <laughs> of the next episode. Um, oh, yeah. One final thing uh, that Ooh. I'd forgotten until we started talking. Uh, through my credit card provider, I've got five months free. Apple TV. Oh right. Well get get on your Ted Lasso. Yep. Get on your Schmigadoon. Get on your foundation. I need to work out how I can get it onto my telly. <laughs> have you got a fire stick? I do have a fire you stick. Get, you can get the app on the fire stick. I've got a brilliant fire stick that I can cannot talk about on uh, There you podcast. go. Yeah. Absolutely. Um and then my last TV show, and I'll wrap this one up quickly. I watched the Cowboy Bebop on Netflix as well. Oh yeah, any good? Yeah, it was pretty good. Um, I, I quite enjoyed it actually. It um, it struck the right balance between uh, obviously inspired by the anime from the nineties. Um, it struck the right balance of drawing inspiration from the anime and following some of the sort of narrative thread or using some of the ideas, but not repeating it so closely that I. Th- felt like uh, uh, there was no surprises or nothing interesting about it for me. Uh, and in fact, some of the storylines, they've intentionally taken in a different direction than what was in the original anime as well. So, yeah, very good. Awesome stuff. Yeah. Although I don't think broadly, I think I'm in the minority again there. I think broadly speaking, the hardcore fans of the original anime haven't been very happy with the live action version. Oh dear. But whatever. But John Cho is great. Mustafa Shakir is great. Uh, Danielle uh, Pineda, brilliant as the kind of core three. There's, there is one uh, very uh, um, key character, uh, you know, a, a core cast member from the original anime that hasn't uh, appears right at the end. That's it. This one ended on another fucking cliffhanger as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> She appears right, in, literally, for about thirty seconds, right at the end of the final episode. She just turns up. I'm like, "Oh, there's Ed," <laughs> but she was a main cast character in the anime, um, so they're obviously looking to unravel her story in season two. But yeah, it's kind of um, it's kind of nice that I've been I've been watching a lot of gritty stuff like Arcane 
um, you know, dead parents, fallouts between sisters, um, social commentary about the battle between the haves and the have-nots, foundation, you know, big sprawling space epic, people dying, um, uh, expanse and other, you know, just like gritty shit. It's kind of nice to have a, a sci-fi that didn't take itself too seriously and was a little bit kind of cartoony in a way. Nice. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, and was a bit more lightweight and great action scenes. Oh, cool. The way Shang-Chi should have been. Oh, I'll have to check that out. I've seen it. I've, it's cropped, cropped my, pricked my interest is the right phrase. Um, on the Netflix with the, you know, when you, you flick through, but I'm not. The suggested. Yeah, but I've not, yeah. not kind of made that decision. It's been drawn elsewhere. Cool. Sure. And there you go. That's uh, that's all my kind of new stuff. Awesome stuff. Right. Face off. Okay. On to the next segment. <laughs> Yes, okay then, folks, here we are then. It is the Mod Extra Retro Movie Review. If this is your first time around these parts, the concept is pretty straightforward. We take it in turns to pick a film from years gone by. Generally centres around the 80s and 90s because these were the films that we grew up with and have very nostalgic feelings towards. Uh, Rewatch it and then talk about it. (laughs) It's nothing more complicated than that. And our movie in today's episode is the John Woo 1997 action classic Face Off, which was Andy's choice. Uh, so I'll hand over to Andy to get us started. Uh, yes, absolute classic uh, of a movie. Very fond memories. Uh, I remember it being a lot of things, uh, you know, exciting, great actors, action, uh, clever th- storyline, all that kind of stuff. That's what I thought. Um <laughs> the back of the box is so it's on Disney Plus here in the UK. So if you have that, you can watch that at no extra cost. The description is I am assuming that the, the description is assuming you've watched it before because it is in order to trap him, he must become him. All right. <laughs> it's just like super cryptic. Um, okay. <laughs> isn't it? That's just like. I think somebody at Disney Plus is getting sacked. <laughs> Someone at Disney Plus is, is not thinking. Uh, let's have a look. So by Googling face off, the little blurb about it is Sean Archer, FBI agent, undergoes plastic surgery in order to impersonate and get hold of his son's killer and his arch enemy, Caster Troy. Trouble brews when Caster begins impersonating Sean. That's a nice, That's a, you know, it's not nicer, but it's a better description. Uh, so, yes face off where to start with this one yeah i mean where do you start with this one i suppose we you have to start with the um the action element i would have thought i mean that's its core selling point it's it's very john woo although i noticed that they kept reloading and i was like what did someone in Hollywood go? Nah, mate. Nah, mate. You, you need to have them reloading the guns after a certain amount of bullets. Um, you reload off camera. That's what you do. <laughs> but it's, 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 
it's kind of one of the appeals of a John Woo film is the fact that they just don't need extra bullets. Like it's just relentless. It's just relentless. Yeah. Bum, 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 like like six shooter that he's shot like fifty times without having to like fiddle about with bullets in his pocket. Um which I was like, oh, I don't remember that. I don't remember really knowing who John Woo was when I watched the film. So that's probably why. But I was just like, oh, don't bother reloading. We all know. Um, it has many, many men jumping and shooting, which is, is a big John Woo thing. <laughs> yes. It's a big, isn't it? And handguns being the preferred like gun of choice. So there are some machine guns in there, but... Uh, pistols seem to be the the order of the day. I thought the action was good. Uh, I like the big gun battle in the like baddies loft. Uh, although it didn't make any sense whatsoever. <laughs> Looking back at it, is it supposed to? <laughs> no, no. It's just the, 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 I'm pretty sure policemen, even if they're told to by their boss, would not just indiscriminately spray bullets into an apartment where there's baddies let alone baddies and friends and children pretty sure that uh, ain't gonna happen you know i know america's a, a different kettle of fish but <laughs> <laughs> i'm pretty sure that his friends in the fbi aren't just stone cold blooded killers just because they're told to but anyway nonetheless enjoyable action scene um the the speedboat at the end. Can we talk about that? If, yes, if you want to. Yeah. The speedboat action at the end. It was when you were, you were talking about Shun Chi and how it was too CGI, uh, and you wanted to see real. I mean, that is, and obviously that's all stunt men and real boats and real explosions. And I don't know if it's it's just that I've been brainwashed by modern films but i was like oh those explosions aren't very good (laughs) 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 it was like oh that 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 boat just kind of like scraped against the wall and i don't know it it feels as if modern modern cinema has made us expect that a, a bit more than what's real and wholeheartedly impressed by the fact that all those stunts there definitely be done by real people. But when you're in, in the movie story uh, and you're not thinking that I was like, Oh, slightly underwhelming. (laughs) (laughs) I'm expecting a bit more, uh, which is very surprising. A lot of, a lot of his explosions are like fireworks. Did you notice that? Well, yeah. I mean, that's because they are doing, you know, they are, (laughs) Legitimate stunt work done with pyrotechnics, aren't they? Yeah, the the plane hit a hangar and it seemed to have fireworks in it. Even on a little rocket, like going <laughs> noises and stuff. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> okay. Well that's interesting because I kind of prefer the you know, the 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 better quality stunt work. Um rather than the uh, CGI effect. Yeah, yeah. Logic yeah. dictates that I, I should, and I'm sure there's there's examples that I, I did, but I surprised myself by thinking, like, obviously I was watching it with a, with an eye on, you know, comparing it and thinking about how we, what we're going to talk about, and I was like, I'm feeling like underwhelmed by this action scene, even though it's very impressive, 
which is um i don't know much behind that thought i'll have to keep thinking about it but um nonetheless there we go um storyline itself i can remember it being like thinking oh that's a really clever storyline i still think it's a very like it's it's a good original kind of twist on on the story of you know the the goody and the baddie um i'm just trying to think of if it's been really redone i don't think it has really uh well i mean it has in other genres i suppose you've got like your freaky friday and <laughs> 13 going on 30 and all that kind of stuff suppose, it's kind of uh, in that ball big yeah it's all in that ballpark <laughs> isn't it really um uh, just in, in an action movie rather than a um fish out of water comedy you know what i mean yeah <laughs> They've kind of taken the two ideas and mashed, mashed them together, them together. haven't they? Uh, Acting-wise, Travolta is the dogs. Cage is pretty good as well, but the way that they flip between characters, I feel you're uh, not yeah, going to cl- agree with me. It, well, it's clear that the two of them have come together and found... Because what, what's kind of special about it I mean, don't get me wrong. I think they are absolutely hamming it up and chewing the scenery like a like a you know a pair of A level drama students. But what one thing that they have done very well is they've obviously come together and made the decision that there's no point directly trying to imitate one another. That way, madness lies. It's just going to go really, really wrong. Mm. So they they've found a formula which I can only assume they've agreed between the two of them, Cage and Travolta, where it's the the heart of the character remains the same and they've sort of established it in both of their performances so you can see the the kind of connective threads but they've not tried to directly imitate one another so there is there is something actually going on there in terms of acting talent <laughs> <laughs> the, the the problem is is that they, they can't get their mouths off the fake walls long enough to have it be realized i it could be very easy for you to get conf- like for it to be confusing I, i'm trying to work out who's who but they have two very different personas when they're playing the different people that make it quite clear what's going on and how it's going on the only bit that i wasn't sure about is when he he comes around the corner of his house at the end uh, and he smiles and it's like, hmm, that's a bit of a creepy smile. <laughs> like, <laughs> Good ending would be like if he was actually cast a choice still uh, and he'd done an old switcheroo, switcheroo, double bluff. Um, but did you know, like, I thought that their acting was really good in it. No, Do you I, don't, I don't think the acting's particularly good at all. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think what I uh, acknowledge and can accept is that in the context of the film itself, it is exactly what's required. And therefore, I don't find it offensive or annoying or a problem. I can go with it. Hit me with some of your thoughts. Uh, well, uh, I'm going to go story time with Chris here because like, picture the scene, if you will. Go with me. Picture it. It's it's uh, 1994, maybe 1995. I'm in Paris on the French Exchange program, and my uh, French Exchange counterpart says, "Oh, I've got an idea. We can we can go to the cinema this afternoon. There's um, 
a cinema around the corner that shows American films with French subtitles. So, we, you know, you can obviously watch the film and I'll be able to enjoy it because it's got the French subtitles. They said there's his new movie. It's nice, uh, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, he's lovely. Um, uh, although I haven't corresponded with him for many years, but uh, that's a whole other thing. Uh, he uh, introduced me to Magic the Gathering. Oh, my word. Incidentally. Used to play it in French. Um, but he said, oh, there's a film that's just come out over here, although it's you, you might have already seen it. It's called Reservoir Dogs. I said, no, I've not seen it. So at uh, 14, 15, there I am sat in a French cinema, obviously got much more relaxed certification rules than we have in the UK. <laughs> and I saw Reservoir Dogs for the very first time and had my mind blown. Stay with me. I'm going somewhere with this. Uh, and that was kind of like a watershed moment in my life where I stopped being a, a film fan and became a film buff. I think we've talked about this mm. before. Um, and so then I went away and I read interview after interview with Quentin Tarantino, watched him on the telly, just really immersed myself in like film films. And Quentin Tarantino, many times over, said that the inspiration for Reservoir Dogs was an old Hong Kong movie called City on Fire, with Chang Fat in it, directed by Ringo Lam. So being the way that I am, I went away and watched City on Fire and thought, whoa, this is fucking incredible. And started to get really interested in uh, Hong Kong cinema. And then found this guy called John Woo through this through this exploration. Uh, watched, watched Better Tomorrow, watched um, uh, Better Tomorrow 2, Better Tomorrow 3, uh, The uh, Hard Boiled, The Killer, um, Bullet in the Head, just loads of them and just got really into uh, Once a Thief and I just got really into the kind of Hong Kong cinema scene. Then started getting into Kung Fu movies as well from over there. Big Jackie Chan fan. Um, started looking at the stuff uh, by Taylor Wong, um, often with Chow Fat in it again. And just got really like proper into Eastern cinema and still to this day watch a lot of Eastern cinema. So when John Woo crossed the ocean and went to America... I was so excited. And then Hard Target came out, and it was shit. Broken Arrow came out, and it was shit. Face Off was like the one. It was going to be the one. And I think at the time, I found it a huge disappointment because all I could do was compare it to Hard Boiled or compare it to The Killer, um, which were only sort of four years previous to Face Off. Mm. And it just felt like a poor man's version of John Woo, even though it was him himself. Fast forward to 2021, (laughs) (laughs) and I'm asked to watch Face Off again. And so I popped it on, and I think I enjoyed it a little bit more than I did back in the the 90s. Wow, that's nice. I I had a bit more distance, I think, from the love of the Hong Kong stuff that it landed a bit better with me the other night than I, I seem to remember it landing with me when I watched it for the first time in the 90s. That said, my love of John Woo's movies from Hong Kong is such that it's her face-off still pales in comparison to me. That's a fair comment. That's a fair comment. If you think if someone else had directed it, would you look at it in different in a different light? Yeah, quite possibly. Uh, I think he's his own worst enemy, really, because there's like these little touches of John Woo's signature stuff. Um, <laughs> yeah, there is, there is. 
like um, that, that uh, Nick Cage gets out the car, the coat's billowing yeah, in the, the wind. That's exactly what I was sunglasses. Um, very John Woo. Uh, then there's a, a in one of the shootouts, one of them's holding two pistols, and he does that kind of sideways leapy thing, firing the two pistols. Very John Woo signature. There's doves involved many times <laughs> mm-hmm. in the background. There's a church shootout, which is, I mean, the the big finish of the killers, a, a big church shootout. Uh, so loads of these like little signature touches. Um, but what it's missing, I think, is there's like a tension between Eastern Eastern philosophy around filmmaking and Western philosophy around filmmaking. Uh, my, my thoughts here aren't very well put together because I've not really concluded all the story time with Crystal, but I'll put that to bed because I think it was boring anyway. Um, there's like a tension. So when you watch A Better Tomorrow or Hard Boiled or The Killer or Once a Thief or any of them really, um, there's sort of these recurring themes in John Woo films about brotherhood, about identity, about um, you know, opposite sides of the same coin. Um, these these kind of themes that are then ploughed into these movies with these sort of signature touches, these kind of epic, balletic action scenes. And Face Off doesn't quite because it's westernized, it doesn't feel the same way and doesn't work the same way. So themes about family and brotherhood and um uh, identity and being the same but in in different worlds mm. all, all this kind of stuff that exists in his hong kong movies works better because it's centered around eastern philosophy and eastern outlooks on the world and then he's kind of tried to lift and drop it into the western context and the mix of well there's all his like signature action stuff but it doesn't look quite as good alongside this mix of they've tried to westernize the John Woo thing in terms of the storytelling means it's not not as good a movie and it pales in comparison. But that said, I did actually enjoy it the other night a lot more than I remember having enjoyed it. Yeah. But there's no subtlety in it at all. Oh, no. No subtlety. The subtext around this, around the identity stuff and the Freaky Friday thing that's going on is... Well, it's not a subtext. That's the wrong phrase. It's just like slap. It's like a. It's like the Monty Python fish hitting you in the face. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they could. I mean, thinking about it from what you said about building in the brotherhood and being the same person, but from different sides of, you know, different outlooks or whatever. That they could have built more of that in. Um, you get snippets of it when you know, Caster Troy helps his daughter because he's getting. She's about to get molested by a boyfriend. Um, but it's yeah. not massively developed in regards to he, no. he still doesn't care about her. He still was going to shoot her. Um, yeah, it, it's not. There's no revelation on Castor Troy's part about it. Whereas in an, in one of his original kind of Hong Kong movies, there would be, uh, I don't know, like a like a certain honor to the villain. Yeah, you know. There's no no honor at all. He's just batshit. He's just batshit. Nick Cage slash <laughs> he absolutely is John Travolta slash Nick Cage again. Yeah. So, but all that signature stuff is just it's just something else, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, the billowing. That's just me. As soon as you said that, I just thought of him getting out of that car and his coat billowing in the wind, putting his sunglasses on, um, 
where everyone else is like stood there, not affected by any form of breeze. Um, yeah, bang on. Yeah, um, yeah. So, so there's that element to it all. I think also, uh, Face Off at his heart is actually a science fiction film. Um, it it is. It, it well, it tries to, or is it, like the. The technology, the super modern technology, with yeah. changing the face over, which at the time I remember thinking, yeah, yeah, I could see that, and then looking like thirty years on, it's like that dude's got a jelly mold. I text you, they're changing his face with a flipping <laughs> jelly mold, um, and the accuracy of you know the pinpoint accuracy of just drawing the line around his face with a crayon um, <laughs> is just bizarre. Um, but at the time, and then the, the, the random prison with the Magno boots. Yeah, that's, uh, absolutely. Yeah. It's going it's got this kind of sort of dystopian, um, prison kind of vibe thing. Yeah. But it's that, that doesn't fit with the rest of the movie. Cause basically it's, it's a mod, it's a, it's a present day crime movie where they use a bit of, outlandish thinking of of you know advanced surgery to change their face over which you can kind of you know go along the ride with but i didn't quite get the need for the magnetic boots prison no uh, and that doesn't help the storyline really and, and again it's a to fault the film by comparison what you don't get in john woo's hong kong so i mean they are epic feats of superhuman action yeah there's no two ways about it um yeah when chow in fact sliding down the staircase with his two pistols eliminating 60 people um <laughs> with five bullets <laughs> but <laughs> but um there's something it's uh, a suspension of disbelief in within the reality of the film itself whereas with face off by trying to put these sci-fi elements in to almost justify the uncanny reality of it all makes you more aware of the uncanny reality of it all. Yeah. That that's that's I mean I like the movie without a doubt. Um but the prison it, it doesn't fit. I mean it would have been better to just put him in a gritty real life prison. Yeah. There's there's yeah, no yeah. need for it. There's no need for Magno boots. They could have easily have had him go to prison, speak to Castor Troy's brother find out what he wants, find out that actually he's not got a face anymore because Caster's got it, and stage a breakout without the need of weird boots and a machine that literally fries your brain for a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, what? What's going on here? And they've all got kind of... um, The guards have got these kind of grey science fiction-y looking uniforms. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But that aside... I think it's a solid '90s action flick. Uh, yeah, and uh, I mean, when you think about what the two of them were doing at the time, I, I mean, Nick Cage was in a action renaissance, wasn't he? he was, I don't think he, what Conair, The Rock, this, he was on a run mm. of sort of action-driven stuff. I like that one, um, Snake Eyes. Oh. I've not seen it's that rubbish, but I like it. Which one's that? Is that the <laughs> one where he's a Gandhi? It's in a. It's set in a no. 
Although that's really good, that one. That is good. That's another example of um, Nick Cage being a highly capable actor. Lord of War, it's called. That's it. Yeah, and it's 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 a headbender. Um, no, it's um, Snake Eyes is in a it's a boxing fight, and he's a a bit of a kind of hustler gambler type guy, and he gets sort of wrapped up in a no no he's a copper who gambles. That's what it is. Uh, and he gets wrapped up in a murder mystery that takes place during the boxing match. Uh, I think I might have seen it, but I can't remember anything about it. Yeah, I, re- I, it's, I don't think it's actually that any good, but it's one of those guilty pleasure type ones that I actually kind of enjoy watching. It's got some interesting cinematography. Oh, has it? Uh, yeah. I do like a bit of but, cinematography, um, a bit of a long, what are they called? Tracking scenes? Tracking shot. Oh, oh yeah, love a, love a good tracking shot. Oof. Oh, any day of the week. Come on. Um, so, yeah, but to circle back round to uh, Face Off, yeah, the, the sci-fi elements I've found off-putting, and I think if John Wood just kept it a bit like, here's two guys, they're basically the same guy, but on opposite sides of the law. And that's what all that stuff about the girlfriend with the door, uh, with the son is all about, trying to contextualise Castor Troy as Sean Archer's opposite. Yeah but it, they don't quite land it. Whereas, like, if you take the killer, this idea that um, the killer and the copper are two sides of the same coin um, who follow a very similar honour code um, and the killer's relationship with the blinded um, musician and stuff is all very authentic and uh, a genuine love relationship and you see him in a very different light and he only kills bad guys and all this kind of stuff whereas Castor Troy like you say is just batshit crazy it's just a psycho um, and so it's missing a little element I think that we and the reason I have to compare it is because I know John Woo's capable of it yeah do you reckon that that was his initial plan but it got diluted by Hollywood or do you reckon that it, he just tried and failed or not failed that's yeah. a harsh thing to say didn't quite get it where it, where it could have been. Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, I remember. I seem to have a recollection, although I could be uh, I could be misstating this, but I seem to have a recollection that in at the time he he didn't speak a great deal of English. You know, Mandarin was his first language, and a, he was running off a script that he'd kind of been given by the studio to work with, and um, the same with Hard Target, same with Broken Arrow. So he was just sort of doing the best he could. I mean, he's gone back to China now. Um, he's working out of Beijing, John Wu. I mean, a couple of years back, maybe 10 years, 15 years or so, he, he did this kind of epic two-part um, like Chinese dynasty political war thing called Red Cliff that is just... like if, if We think our battle scenes are good in the West, but this was something else, you know what I mean? Um, so I think he's he's got, he's gone back to the East where he's in a stronger position, mm. I think. Um, and I think perhaps things like the language barrier and the cultural differences have affected the quality of his films. You know. Cool. I've I got a couple of other like minor observations, if you, if you will. Cool, yeah, I've got a couple of minor ones. So, yeah, you go first. Okay, uh, the goth daughter thing. Who gives a shit? <laughs> like, by today's <laughs> standards... Uh, <laughs> A goth daughter like that, you're like, oh, oh, she's got eyeliner on and she's just done something funky with her hair. No, nobody would give a shit now. No, you wouldn't even think that was abnormal. 
Yeah, agree. When she turned around and he was like, oh, I see. I was like, what? Oh. See what? <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, she's really. Put, she's done something interesting with her eyeliner. <laughs> um, so, so that was on. Uh, then I just noted down an example of how bad the script is. Why don't you run the FBI any goddamn way you like? Well, he will. Yes, he's the director of the FBI. That's uh, exactly what he'll do. Good, good <laughs> burn there, Sean. You know, and loads of <laughs> shitty dialogue like that all the way through. And then the final one, I don't know, this is possibly not a, a minor observation, but it doesn't matter if your son gets accidentally assassinated instead of you because what you can do is you can kill a criminal and take his son instead <laughs> The moral of the story, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, just, re- just replace your grief by, you know, getting his by backfilling the sun gap in your life. Just <laughs> kill him. Take his son. Job, job done. Yeah, there was just something felt really icky about that final moment, and like the daughter going, "Oh, come on, yeah, you're my new brother now. I'll take you to your room, which is my dead that, brother's room. That's not been touched." But- <laughs> That we've all been grieving for years. <laughs> it's all right. This man has been driven by the by the sole purpose in his life of catch, catching this guy who killed his son. Goes through, like ignores his wife, neglects his daughter, works twenty four hours a day, pisses off all his colleagues. His sole purpose, like literally, people die as a result of his actions. To his like blind focus on capturing Castor Troy, but that's all okay. I'll just take Castor Troy's son and replace my own. <laughs> and something really—they just felt icky to me. Really icky to me. Yeah, I agree. It is weird. Um, my one of my minor points is in regard to that scene. Is like why? Why would he have not have asked his wife before? Yeah. You, you come you can come and live with me <laughs> is that okay she can't turn around and say no to the orphan child that you've just introduced to your home like the orphan tri- child incidentally whose father we murdered <laughs> a day or two ago <laughs> like that that was just wrong it's like imagine like you'd be like with, with my wife i'd be strung up imagine can we can we have this small ch- like coming home with a dog Without asking, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Can we keep him? Like, oh, well, we'll have to see if his owner was asking for him. It was like, it's weird. You'd ask him. That's not just a spare of the moment story. Also, I'm pretty sure you're not just allowed to take children. You have to go through a process where you're assessed um, and, and sign documents and, and et cetera to become a legal guardian. You can't just be like, I found this one. <laughs> Can we keep him? So, yeah, I agree with that one. I also... <laughs> like to wonder why she didn't pick him up from the hospital uh, and why she made him come home by himself. That, <laughs> he just rocks up. <laughs> that you see his, his, his shadow going past the window. Like I'd expect maybe that you'd have gone and picked him up when he was allowed to come out. Um, I've said about the jelly mold face masks. That was just weird. Um, also, is a tip. Don't try that hand over the face thing that he does because – People don't actually like your dirty mitt being rubbed over their face. <laughs> it's it's not nice. It's not like cute and family. Uh, you, you're going to get a slap and don't wipe your dirty hand over my face, please. That's a bit weird. 
<laughs> have you done that? Have you tried that? Try that when your wife comes home. Just like run your hand over her face, like wipe it down her face. And um, the reaction won't be nice. It'll be like, oh, smells like twiglets or something. (laughs) (laughs) Twiglets. (laughs) It comes across on the film like, oh, yeah, oh, caress face. But he's not. He's just wiping his fucking dirty hand on her. Wrong. (laughs) It's weird. That was my minor thoughts. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> i can't yeah sure i can't dispute any of them <laughs> pews yeah. yeah well this despite it all i actually you know kind of enjoyed it you, you, you can't escape the stylized action it's just of a quality that i don't think and when you think about john woo's legacy um you, you have to acknowledge that even face-off lives on today in action films that we see now um so all, all that said that my enjoyment the other night and the fact that he is a legendary director that i've got a love for i'm gonna go up to six. Ooh, i'm gonna go one further i'm gonna go seven i think there it's a, a very enjoyable action a 90s action fest i think it's got to be yeah. up there with very 90s some of the uh the, the top end uh, kind of 90s action that's out there it's got a nice little twist it's, it, at the time that kind of face-offy kind of thing it was it was really kind of like original story of which we're really lacking these days um just looking at the movies that come out we've had another james bond we've had a number like chris said Ch- Ch- chen Shi is another carbon copy marvel movie um, yeah, we've had a Ghostbusters remake, albeit amazing. Um, where's the, when we look back at the nineties? Do you know we talk about Goodfellas in the nineties and all those different films uh, that were just like brand new th- ideas? There, there's a lacking on that at the moment, and I'd like yeah. some cool new stuff. Uh, just, just the film on its own, not part of a franchise. Yeah, not not thinking of anything more than creating a good. A good movie, yeah. Oh boy, they don't make them that they do used to, do they? No, I mean that's 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 it. Face off is there's no thoughts behind the franchise or uh, you know anything other than that one solid movie story, and it's got its faults, but ultimately it's good. Same with Goodfellas. You aren't going to get a sequel to Goodfellas, are you? Uh, uh, no, three hours of him being a postman or something gonna be pretty boring <laughs> you know and like just like yeah some original stories that are just like this is my nugget this is my creation this is what i've made it's good i've not thought about branding it and making you know spin-offs or whatever else this is just my vision it's an original story bosh have it to the world that's what we need more of yes i agree i agree entirely uh, I was just looking at my top 100 movies and Snake Eyes and Lord of War are both on my top 100 list. Are they? Yeah. Nice. Um, it's, it's nice that I'm consistent. You are. <laughs> yeah. It's nice to be consistent. Um, so, yeah. And two Nick Cages on my top 100 as well. Yeah. <laughs> Here's a thought. Do you think that more original stories are going to series instead of films 
Yes. Yeah, I think yeah. so too. Yeah, they're in a, or, or they're, um, or they're going to uh, Netflix original films. Yeah. They're becoming Netflix originals um, because there's more, uh, f- there's less risk, financial risk, uh, and so they have more freedom to experiment and explore. Uh, the reason why franchise movies are, you know, what what we see time and time and time again, mm. is because they're bankable. Because the risk factors are so high. Can you imagine if they made Harry Potter the series? Still be bloody having them now. Uh, yes. Yes, you would. Yeah, I don't know, it's just missed out. Yeah, it's just like The Lord of the Rings, season eight, episode four. Frodo <laughs> walks towards the volcano. Oh, Jesus, yeah. It would be like that as well. It'd be... It would be horrible. <laughs> I'd have no time for it at all. Right. Face off, right. then. Um, have you, you go. got your choice ready? Uh, I have, actually, although um, just some part of our conversation there is making me wonder whether I should change it. Um, what is it? Police Academy 8. No. So my original choice I was going to suggest was Heat. Michael Mann's Heat. <sighs> Um, because I noticed it had turned up on Amazon Prime. Um, just it was in my suggested. I was like, "Ooh, or new for you" kind of thing, you know. And I thought, "Ah, I love that movie." Um, so that's that's where I was going to go. But I'm wondering whether to dive into a bit of Hong Kong action. But I don't. Know, I'm just looking as to how easy it is to find to get right now. So like hard boiled, for example. Yeah, it's not streaming on anything. Uh, yeah, okay, uh, let's, I'll, I'll stick with my original plan then. I'm going to say Heat. Very happy with that. Yeah, very, uh, it's a long very one. Very happy but, with that. Um, but I'm still, uh, I saw it on Amazon Prime the other day. I'm still feeling very kind of gritty and gangstery um, after Goodfellas. So let's do a bit of Heat. Excellent. I love it. Cool. All right, well, there we go. Um, come back in two weeks to hear our thoughts on Heat. Uh, let's move us to the outro, shall we? Yep. Well, there we are then, folks. As all things must, this episode of Mod Extra has come to an end. We hope you enjoyed listening as much as we enjoyed recording it. And we did. Absolutely, yeah. So uh, lots talked about this episode. Please do get in touch and let us know your thoughts on any of the movies or TV series, the newer stuff that we talked about uh, in the first segment, or whether you watched Face Off as well recently. Yeah, and that's what nice. your thoughts are. Um, that's about it, really. There's not much else to say. That is, I suppose. I would say if you've got any suggestions uh, for what you'd want us to watch, uh, how the layout of this podcast would go, then please do get in touch. You can get in touch with us via the BritRollerSix.com website. Our email address is the Discord. It's probably the best place. Facebook. Uh, come and uh, you know have a chat. Let us know. Yeah, all the links are in the show notes, um, so that you can get hold of us if you want to. Uh, all right, the folks. Well, uh, in the meantime, I've been Chris, otherwise known online as the True Mister Six, and I've been Andy, aka Caster Troy. <laughs> See you later.
Yeah, I felt a bit rambly at the beginning. Then I was, I had this whole thing about story time with Chris, and then I lost it. <laughs> and jumped to another point, and then I, then I couldn't get back to it. The so it sounds really random that I've even brought that up now. The ramblier, the better. Yeah, I wanted to talk more about Hong Kong cinema and the Shaw Brothers and how they do it better. 